Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3. Time now for Market View, where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. Singapore shares fell this morning, tracking overnight losses in global markets. In early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.8% to 3,225 points after 40 million securities changed hands and the broad the market. The closing numbers are still firming up, but here's what I have on my screen. The STI down 0.87%. Uh, we're looking at 3,215 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.47 billion. The gainers outnumbered losers though, 312 versus 283. Top 5 movers by value, we've got here SIA, DBS, Ctrim, UOB and OCBC. Heavily traded securities included Seatrim, Thai Beverage and Gunting Singapore. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have SIA, the national carrier reporting there, a net profit of $659 million for Q3 and December, up 4.9% from the year-ago period. Now, elsewhere from expectations on the US Fed, minutes to Citigroup lifting CEO Gene Fraser's pay by about 6% as she overhauls the banking giant. We've got more international headlines in focus. Joining me on the line is Jeremy Tan, CEO of Tiger Fund Management. Jeremy, welcome. Hi, Tintin. Great to have you, Jeremy. And let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How has the SDI fed so far today and any surprises when it comes to the biggest movers or the sectors they lie in? Yeah, sure. If you look at the SDI today, it's actually down by 0.87%. And it's actually underperforming other Asian Pacific markets, especially uh, Hong Kong, that actually rose by about 2%. And if you look at what is driving Hong Kong market today, it's actually the cut in the five-year loan prime rates by 25 basis points yesterday by the PBOC to 3.95%. And this is actually one of the largest cut in five-year loan prime rate that we have seen. So I think the China market is going to continue to be positive uh, with all this uh, stimulus that's coming out from the PBOC in terms of monetary and fiscal policies that's actually larger than market expectation and basically designed to support the property sector. And within Singapore, you can see that uh, it's underperforming. Uh, you can see that in terms of the sectors that are underperforming today for the SCI, I think it includes travel-related basket, uh, especially sets, gunting that's actually being tracked by SIA results. Hmm. And zooming in on some of the companies to watch, uh, Jeremy, we've got SIA for today. The National Carrier reporting their net profit of $659 million for Q3 and December, up 4.9% on a yearly basis, driven by a rebound in North Asian markets. But that being said, I believe the numbers were below expectations. Investors taking profit today, generally speaking, have markets gotten ahead of themselves when it comes to estimating the pace of the global travel recovery? Well, if you look at the overall uh, travel, global travel recovery in terms of that post-pandemic revenge trading, I think it's already starting to fade and it's probably in the last phase of the uh, of this recovery. Uh, with that said, uh, you know, even though SIA still delivered a very uh, respectable set of results, 659 million 
for the third quarter. I think the airline industry will continue to face a lot more pressures going forward. I think for one, you're looking at passenger use and cargo use that are actually coming under pressure. And that is because the overall capacity of uh, regional airline capacity are actually starting to restore uh, some airlines that uh, restore later uh, than what we have expected uh, will start to add to the overall supply in the market in terms of our passenger and also cargo supply. And in terms of cost front, I think you can see that the overall inflationary environment will continue to put uh, a bit more outward pressure, uh, especially for energy prices that are remaining sticky. And the overall uh, slow growth environment in 2024 vis-a-vis the 2023 will also result in less discretionary travel. And I think that, uh, let us not forget that there's still a lot of geopolitical tensions that are actually happening around the world, especially in uh, Russia, Ukraine and Israel. Uh, You know, there is a lot of uh, travel demand that's being hampered now. Right. And another sector to look at, Jeremy, aside from the aviation sector, is the property sector. I mean, Cessio reads DPU up 8.7% year-on-year for Q4 due to an increase in rental income. But at the same time, we are seeing property developer first sponsors seeing profits down some 96% for second half ended December. Now, generally speaking, what is the outlook for property stocks and REITs thus far? Is it a bit of a mixed picture or is it generally positive? Well, if you look at the overall REITs and property sectors, I think they are very stock-specific and uh, the performance of the financial performance of these companies in these sectors uh, are very different or or, or mixed picture given where uh, they see the industry. For one, if you look at the first sponsor's results, uh, they are really a developer that's actually exposed to Chinese property. And as a result, uh, basically, they recorded a 90% uh, drop uh, in their uh, numbers in second half of 2023. And this is due to the poor momentum, uh, due to the low confidence and physical uh, pre-sales in China, I think will continue to decline in China, uh, especially in 2024, given that uh, we do expect that there will be a 5% decline in pre-sales for China this year. So we are still quite uh, uncertain in terms of that developer uh, momentum in China. Whereas if you look at Sasua Reed, they are in very much in the hospitality sector yeah. that is being exposed to uh, the outlet retail space. And they have been also, also continuing to benefit from that late uh, COVID recovery momentum in China. So sales for them actually go by 30% in 2023. And I think they will benefit from the dual tailwind of that fixed and variable component of sales recovery for Sasori and especially for that variable component, which they will stand to gain the most. So despite the uncertain um, consumer sentiment in China, I think some of these Chinese consumers are still looking towards value at this uh, outlet shopping. And given that it's a proxy to middle and high income spending, I think that the sales for Sasori will continue to remain resilient being in high growth cities like, uh, you know, Beijing, Chongqing, uh, Hefei and Kunming. Right. 
if you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Jeremy Tan, CEO of Tiger Fund Management. And across the region, Jeremy, I don't want to take a look at Asian markets as a whole. They were mostly down today, all eyes on the latest earnings by Tech Darling and NVIDIA. What do you think we can expect uh, from NVIDIA? And what implications will this then have on chiplink shares within Asia, particularly when we look at South Korea, Japan and Taiwan? Well, if you look at uh, tonight, I think NVIDIA's results would be really what everyone would be having their eyes on. Uh, the revenue is, uh, is expected to still come in extremely strong at $20.4 billion and gross margin as well, remaining high at 75%. So the company has continued to deliver a very strong set of results, high revenue and high EPS beats over the last uh, couple of quarters. In fact, uh, double-digit beats. I think that uh, NVIDIA will still will continue to be, to be the bellwether in the AR, AI race, especially given that NVIDIA commands about 80% of the GPU market so that you can see that it's near monopoly. And I think that all eyes will also be on the forward guidance given that it will be a very crucial determinant of whether the AI revenue uh, growth can continue to in pace. Uh, with that said, NVIDIA's market cap uh, is reaching about $1.7 trillion already. I think that uh, there is a lot of upside that is gradually being priced since the last year's surge in share prices. And so have other you know, second derivative companies in South Korea, Japan and Taiwan that have benefited perhaps indirectly from this uh, AI wave. So I think that uh, tonight the correlation to the NVIDIA's fate will be very, very high. Uh, we, we do think that NVIDIA right now, given that prices are trading at about 56 times, uh, 2024 earnings. Uh, and last night, you have seen that NVIDIA's uh, share price has, is actually down by 4.35%. Yeah. And after hours, it's also down by 1.8%. So I think that the share price for NVIDIA is really priced to perfection. There's li- very little room for disappointment. So uh, if it comes out with a guidance that is very lackluster or perhaps just uh, meeting expectation, I think that there will be more profit-taking for uh, AI-chip-related counters regionally. Mm. And in the US, aside from earnings from NVIDIA, we've got the latest FOMC minutes coming up as well. What are you expecting on this front? Is it more or less uh, not much surprises? For the Fed minute, I think that the Fed's decision will continue to show that it's uh, trying to balance their full employment and stable prices. Given that uh, what we have seen in January, we have seen that CPI still showing a 0.3% growth uh, month-on-month, I think, uh, and also a 3.1% year-on-year growth. I think this is still far above the Fed long-term target, and this is still driven by sticky components of the CPI basket. Uh, such as food, shelter, transportation, and healthcare. I think the Fed uh, right now will continue to guide that uh, it will not be very uh, quick in terms of their decision in, t- in terms of rate cut uh, for that ma- uh, for that matter. And the markets will start to realign their expectation to the Fed's uh, gradual rate cut plans. So earlier, the market was actually looking at March and May uh, rate cuts, but I think that going forward, I think it will be pushed back. Uh, perhaps to the first from first half to actually to the second half, and the likelihood of a first half uh, rate cut or near term rate cut mm. will continue to decrease. So, uh, from my belief is that uh, rates will continue to stay higher for longer for the rest of 2024, and our base case is for three cuts 
that's actually weighted in the second half. Right. And finally, before we let you go, Jeremy, we want to take a look at some banks uh, announcing major overhauls from Barclays all the way to Citigroup. And in particular, at Citigroup, we've seen uh, the firm lifting CEO Jane Fraser's pay by about 6% to $26 million US dollars as she overhauls the banking giant. How would you read into this phenomenon in which the CEOs they are getting pay rises during a period of uncertainty? I mean, uh, Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan, he got a bum earlier, of course, a uh, slightly different story there. But is pay increase given to ensure a smooth overhaul in this situation? Well, I think uh, the pay increase at this current juncture, I think is a bit uh, more of uh, of the bank's uh, board to ensure the stability of the top leadership. I think uh, Citigroup right now is being faced with uh, very challenging times with uh, net income dropping very sharply in 2023. Uh, the company also recorded uh, a loss in the final quarter. So I think the reorganization right now that is expected to take place uh, will result in 20,000 job cuts over the next two years. And I think the board really wants to incentivize the CEO uh, to be to, to basically have the bullets to re to have the success to reorganize Citibank back into the black. So I think that uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, they probably want to uh, balance that risk to reward at this current juncture. Right. Uh, lots to watch indeed in this space. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. That was Jeremy Tan, CEO at Tiger Fund Management. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.